0: Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. So um, tonight, we, it's our third a session on how to hear the voice of God. We saw the first night that in order to hear the, the voice of God and communicate with God, we have to know, number one, that God is the Spirit and that we are also a spirit. That means that our relationship with God, to hear from Him, to approach Him and relate to Him, we have to know who we are in the Spirit Amen, and and so that that was the number one truth that was that the foundation of our teaching. And then last week we talked about what is the number one way that God will lead us. You know, most of us we look for you know for uh, as the spectacular. But God moves in the supernatural most of the time, and we saw last week that the number one way, uh, even though God will talk to us through visions and through dreams and through some real spectacular ways, and God does it, and He's probably done did it through in most of our lives. But the the most uh, uh, important way or the major way that God will lead us is through the inward. Witness. We saw that the Holy Spirit will act as a witness. If you remember last week, we saw what is a witness? A witness, if you go to a court of law, what will a witness do? He will approve, look at the whole situation, hear all the facts from both sides, and then he will approve or disapprove. He will confirm what he hears and sees, or he will... Uh, um, uh, He will disapprove. Amen. And so we saw that the Holy Spirit will move upon your spirit because you are a spirit through the inward witness. He will witness and he will do that through the peace of God. We saw yesterday that when there is a lack of peace in your spirit, it means that the the peace of God, the inward witness is telling you, don't go. It's a red light. It's a no-go. Amen. Lack of peace. We said, sometimes we have a hard time to sleep. Sometimes we toss back and forth in our bed. Sometimes we have a hard time making a final decision. We saw that that lack of peace is a, the, the, the way that the, the Holy Spirit will witness that you are not doing the right thing. We saw also that sometime, even though you might know that you are a, a in direction doing the will of God, there might be a lack of peace, but it, we saw last week that it can be like what I call an orange flashing light, meaning that God is telling you, yes, it is the will of God, but slow down. Timing is important. You see, you can be the right, doing the right thing at the wrong time. You remember Moses? Oh, yeah. Moses knew the will of God. He was called to deliver, but his timing was off. And the truth of the matter is that he was... Ten years too early because the children of Israel were supposed to, to be in slavery for 400 years. And because he, he was 10 years too early, he had to stay in the desert 40 years. And the children of Israel, the Bible said that they were under slavery for 330 years. Amen. Amen. And finally, we saw that the peace of God is like a, if you have abundance of peace in your spirit, it means that you are doing the right thing. You know, sometimes we know more about what God doesn't say. You know, I take comfort if I don't hear anything. If I still have the peace of God, He knows I'm doing the right thing. Amen. And, and sometimes we always want to hear something from God. If you don't hear anything, be at peace. You're doing the right thing. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, um, and we saw also the alarm, you know, uh, it's like emergency. The Holy Spirit is trying to, to wake you up. Says danger, danger. Amen. But I want to encourage you, if you want to know more about that, to grab the CD, um, the Spirit-led life. But tonight I want to talk about, uh, uh, the voice of, your voice of your spirit. Amen. We know the Holy Spirit speaks, but your spirit also has a voice. The Holy Spirit, who is a spirit, will speak to your spirit to communicate some, some things to you. You know, the difference between the inward witness and the voice of your spirit is that the inward witness witnesses, and the voice of your spirit, the, the, that voice, will speak to you and communicate a message to you. Turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Verse 13 through 15. It says, "However, When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. And He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has... Or mine. Therefore, I say that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to your spirit. Amen. Um, you will not hear that, that message from the Holy Spirit or for, from your inward voice. You will not hear an audible voice. And most of the time, that's what we're looking for. Because we are so, if you allow me, we are so carnal and we're so dominated by the flesh, by the five senses. We think that God is going to talk to us through an audible voice. And yes, sometimes you'll do it, but it's an exception, not the rule. When he speaks to you, it's not going to be spectacular, it, but it will be supernatural. Amen? Uh, why? Because God is a spirit, remember. John 4, verse 24, he says, God is the Spirit, and those who worship Him, who approach Him, must do so in the Spirit and in truth. Amen. And you remember in 1 King chapter 19, when Elijah was waiting to hear from God, there was a fire, there was an earthquake, but God was not in it. You remember, the Bible says in verse 12, that God spoke through a still small small voice amen and it's so easy sometimes to miss it because most of us it's the still small voice it's the, the the god or the holy spirit that speaks to your spirit to communicate a message and sometimes we miss it because we think, oh that's just me it's too simple it's too easy yeah. It cannot be God. It's got to be me. Well, the truth is, yes, it is you, but it is the voice of your spirit. It is your spirit. Amen? And you know what I noticed by experience? I noticed by experience that right after you hear the still, small voice, you hear the the, the voice that's God speaking to your spirit, immediately the devil comes, because the devil always comes to right. steal. I remember one time... Um, I was in India, and I was teaching in a Bible school on on divine healing. And when I called the people to come forward to receive healing, there was a whole line, there was probably 200 students that came forward. And there was one of them who had um, glasses that were so heavy, they were like a Coke bottle. And you could hardly see his eyes. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm walking, you know, I'm praying for the people, and all of a sudden... I heard the still small voice that said, go back, because I, I was praying. He said, go back to that one, and spit in his eyes. It shocked me. And immediately, I heard a voice that said, huh, who do you think you are? You're trying to, be, you're trying to act like Jesus? You're trying to be Jesus? You know, I had to stop and discern those two voices. One says, go and spit in his eyes. The other one says, you're just trying to act like Jesus. to be like Jesus. I stopped and I said, wait a second. Yes, I'm trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> so what did I do? But you see, it was so easy to be able to miss it because automatically we want to think that's just me, yeah. you know. And so I went and took his glasses off. And in India, I mean, spitting is pretty bad over here. In India, it's an insult. Amen. And so I went and spit in his eyes. What happened? Nothing. So I went and continued to pray for all of the other people. But that afternoon, that young guy came to me and, with a big smile. And I did not recognize it. And I said, yeah, what do you need? He said, pray, pray me, pray me. And I said, why didn't you come this morning? He said, pray me. And I realized that that was a young guy that was totally, totally healed. He was almost black. But you see, it would have been easy to miss that still small voice. Because most of us want to say, we want something spectacular. But I, I always learn to judge. When God speaks, the devil comes immediately to steal the word. Another time I was in India doing a conference. And there was a lady uh, that came to me and took her hand and put them on my stomach, and she had pain on her face. I didn't know what was wrong with her, but all of a sudden I heard the Holy Ghost says, punch her in the stomach. And I'm thinking, wait a second here, punch her in the stomach. But you see, what came right after was like, that's weird, it cannot be God punch her in the stomach, but all of a sudden I realized, wait, wait, wait a second, it's in line with the word of God, Jesus put mud in somebody's eyes, that was weird, and so I I, I, I knew immediately that not to try to uh, 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 ignore it or just try to talk myself out of it, because I know God will speak immediately, but immediately the devil comes, and so I did, you know what I did, bam! and punched her with all my strength in the stomach. Have you ever seen the cartoons where people's eyes go... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was almost like that. She looked at me, I thought she was going to jump on me. I took a step back and I looked, you know, and I I left it there. But three days later, she came back to testify. And, and, And she said, I had cancer of the stomach and I was in so much pain that I did not know I was thinking about killing myself because the doctor couldn't do anything. She said, I was so much pain. She said, that conference was the last hope I had. And you know, why did God, and I believe God didn't punch her, punch the devil that was trying to get a hold of her. Amen? Hallelujah. So when God speaks, the devil will always try to talk you out of it. Even if it sounds a little, you know, a little strange. Jesus you know every time Jesus did things for us sometimes we think it was a little strange but it wasn't strange he I had a purpose for everything he did yeah. Amen yeah. Hallelujah The 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 voice of the 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 voice of the spirit your inward voice will like I said will speak to you it will be small it will soft it will ob- unassuming and the voice of the spirit will always speak in line with the word of God and the character of God. In line with the Word and the character of God. There was always, there's always there has been some people that came up that thought they had received a huge, major revelation. But if you, if you compare it and look at it with the Word of God, it's off. If your revelation, what you think you've heard from God, does not line up with God's character, or with God's Word, then I tell you this is not a revelation from God. It comes from somewhere else. And you have to be willing to uh, uh, um, present your revelation or what you heard and allow somebody to judge it and say, that doesn't line up with the Word. Or yes, it does. Amen? There is great protection in that. Great protection. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit... You know, there is people that, that had received revelation, didn't line up with the word, and they held on to it saying, no, I know this is God. And you know, now you don't even find them anymore in the body of Christ or in the ministry. They went off in deep end. Amen. And, and, the, and you know, that's why the inward witness, if that re- revelation of what you hear eh, 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 is the truth, the inward witness will confirm. A man will approve. The peace, there will be a peace. If there is no peace, it doesn't matter if you, you know, let me say something. This is how the prophet Muhammad got all the revelation he had. Mm -hmm. If you've studied a little bit about him, he heard a voice. He heard voices, but there was no peace in his heart when he heard those revelations. And he said, I'm not in fear. I have torment. There was no, no peace in his heart. And you know what? Because people told him, say, no, 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 that's got to be God. That's got to be God. All of a sudden, a whole doctrine, a whole uh, a religion was born out of it and brought thousands and millions of people in deception. Amen. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will bear witness of the truth with peace. He will, though, The the though oftentimes that still small voice will show you things to come. That's what we saw in John 16, verse 13. He says, he will show you things to come, verse 13. I remember um, 13 years ago, I had just got married to Fred. And right after that, the Holy Spirit would wake me up at 2 in the morning. And so finally, after the third night, I realized, wait a second, because I sleep like a rock. So I was like, something is off. So I got out of bed and went in my living room and prayed. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit says, Audrey, there is cancer in your body. But you know, that that, was, that shocked me. But immediately, the Holy Spirit, He was showing me what was happening. Amen. But immediately, the Holy Spirit came with the solution, with direction, mm-hmm. with Comfort and was what to do you see because the Holy Spirit is not a bearer of bad news yeah. He's like Jesus. Did you notice everywhere? Jesus went and preached he preached Good news because he preached good news people were getting saved. He preached good news people were getting healed He preached good news people were getting delivered yeah. That's what he says in 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 uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 18 he says, "For the spirit of the Lord is upon me, He has anointed me to preach the good news to to, to, to the good news to the poor, so they don 't have to be in poor anymore to to uh, d- preach delivery to the captives, to open blind eyes to heal the broken hearted and finally he says to uh, uh, to bring forth the acceptable year of the Lord. You know what the acceptable year means in Greek it means it 's a year." to be accepted and to receive you see the 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 the, the it's the year of jubilee um, and we live in in that year it hasn't stopped yet and so when the holy spirit speaks he's not speaking judgment he's not speaking bad news if he's telling you something that might, like he told me, I had cancer. Immediately, he tells you so to help you, to equip you, to prepare you. And you know, when the thing right after he said there is cancer in your body, he immediately said, But Audrey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right there, I knew that was the key of my healing, that was the word of the Lord. It meant for me to counterattack what the devil was doing. You know, I found recently, just a few months ago, that in the book of Proverbs, it says that anxiety rots the bones, but a merry heart does good like a medicine. You see what the Holy Spirit was doing? He was telling me, Audrey, there is cancer in your bones, but if anxiety destroys your bones, joy will repair it, restore it. And heal your bones. So you know what I did by myself in my living room? I knew I had the word of the Lord. You see, it was not spectacular. It was supernatural. I heard there is cancer in your bones. But right after that I heard, but the joy is your strength. So I, that was the key. That was the word. And I, I, and I said, okay, I know I have joy in my spirit. We all do. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, there is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. It's all in you. You don't need to ask God for more love, for more joy. Just look down. (laughs) And like, you see, the other day I was in in Atlanta and I saw a little, you know, I I was at the pastor's house and and one of their kids were having some liquid, you know, uh, Hershey liquid chocolate Mm -hmm. and a glass of milk and they poured the Hershey syrup. And what happened to the Hershey syrup? It went down to the bottom. So you know what she did? She stirred it up. You know, we've got joy, love, all the fruit of the Spirit in us. Some of us, we just have to stir it up. So you know what I did in my living room? He, 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 ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. hee he, 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 ho, ho, ho. And I did that, and I sounded, I felt really foolish. And then I sang, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I am in my living room singing by myself, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But after 20 minutes of feeling foolish, self-conscious, but you see what I was doing? I was stirring up the chocolate, stirring up the joy that was right on the, sitting in the bottom of my spirit. And after 20 minutes of that, all of a sudden, it erupted. And I started to laugh rolling on the floor. And at that moment, it was, uh, At that moment, I knew that I knew that I had got it. You see, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me in a still, small voice. It sounded like bad news. It sounded like he was the bearer of bad news. No, no, no. He was showing, preparing me. I don't know about you, but I'd rather hear it from God than hear it from the doctor. Yeah. Because the next day, when I went to the doctor, and they said, Yes, Mrs. Mack, brace you, prepare you. There is cancer in your bone. I looked at her and I made a big smile. I know, but I'm healed. She said, no, you don't understand. I know, because you see, the Holy Spirit had already prepared me. Yes, he sounded like he was bringing bad news, but with it, he was preparing me and giving me the key to overcome. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is so awesome. He is just like Jesus. To bring healing, he brings good news to bring healing, deliverance. Hallelujah. And listen, that's what I said the Holy Ghost is, is not, is not going to condemn you. The Holy Spirit is not going to condemn you for your individual sin. You see, when you do something wrong and you kind of feel like, ah, uh, it's not the Holy Spirit condemning you or judging you. Look at that very, very quick with me. John 16. Verse 8 and 9, it says, And when He, the Holy Spirit, will come, He will convict the world of sin, singular. You see, most of us think that the Holy Spirit is the one who is going to convict you of your sins. That when you do something wrong, He's going to have His thumb pushing down on you and say, You worm, you no good, you did it again. It's not the Holy Spirit. You see, if you have a lack, when you do something wrong, you have a lack of peace, what is it? It is the inward witness. It is your spirit who is holy, who is righteous, who is just like Jesus, who who does not want to sin. Your spirit says, oh, nah, that's not your nature. That's not you. But it's not the Holy Spirit condemning you. Because here it says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, not the righteous. Not the Christian. He will convict the world of sin. Singular. And look with me in the next verse. It says, of sin, verse... Um, what did I say? Verse 9. It said, of sin, because they do not believe in me. You know the only sin that we are going to be judged, that the people will be judged when we go to heaven? and you appear before the throne of God, the only judge that will be judged and condemned is the sin of not accepting Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not going to be judged on the basis of, you know, different sins, you know, homosexuality, drunkenness, uh, uh, gluttony, you know, hypocrisy, whatever else. We, that's not what we're going to be. We, people will be condemned, will appear before Christ and be condemned for one sin, did you accept Jesus on the basis of what He did on the cross? or oh, you didn't. You rejected Him. Amen. So it's not the Holy Spirit that is condemning you, but it's your spirit that is not feeling comfortable because your spirit is holy and righteous and doesn't feel comfortable with sin. Amen. Because you have the nature of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And sometimes when, when the inward voice, when the Spirit speaks to you, it will, it wants to communicate something to you. Sometimes it will do like I call like an impression, like a stamp. Have you ever happened to you where God speaks to you through your spirit and you cannot put any words to it? You try to tell somebody what God spoke to you, but it's like... I don't know exactly how to say it. Why? Because it's like God took his thoughts and went, made an impression on your spirit. where all of a sudden, you know exactly what he's talking about, what he means, but it's hard to put words to it because he just impressed it upon your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Here again, when God uh, uh, speaks to you, amen, it will always be in line with the word of God. And it will always come to lift you up, to get you out of a situation, to encourage you, to build you up, to deliver you, to heal you, to encourage you. Amen? That's the nature of Jesus. You, did you notice that Jesus, when he walked on earth, he never judged people for their sins? He never pointed out their individual sin? He said, Depart from me because you're an adulteress. He never did. Who what is the, the sin that Jesus always pointed out and judged people for? The sin of not believing on him. And most of the people were the Pharisees and the scribes and the doctors of the law. But when people came even if though they had sin, he never went and said, "Wait, let me look at you. Well, yeah, you had a bad thought yesterday and um, today I saw you took two more pieces of bread more than you should have, and, uh, well, you, I see you had bad thoughts, and, well, yeah, you did a little light, didn't you? He never did. That is the na- that was the nature of Christ. And you know what Jesus said? I am sending the comforter, one identical to myself. So the Holy Spirit is not going to look at you with a big, you know, magnifying glass to try to, you know, dissect you and try to say, you're not, you know, you did this and you did that and you didn't, It's it's very silent in this Catholic church tonight. (laughs) But it is true. We have that concept that the Holy Spirit is there to examine us. But He's not. He's there, like Jesus, He's there to lift us up, to encourage us, to get us out uh, of depression, out of sickness, out of trouble, out of problems. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would like to talk to you because that's something that people do a lot. Will God, when he wants to give you direction, is it okay to ask God for a sign? You know what I'm talking about? Said God, give me a sign. Um, We find that in the Bible in uh, Judges chapter 6. In Judges chapter 6, verse 36. Ooh, is it the time already? Oh, okay, good. (laughs) It just, time goes fast when you have fun. That's all there is. In Judges chapter 6, verse 36 through 40, we see here Gideon. You've heard of Gideon, you mighty man of valor, is hiding in a wine press. But an angel appears to him and tells him that God has called him to deliver Israel against the enemy. And so what does Gideon do? He says, okay, God. He said, uh, that's all good and dandy, but I be- I, I want to know that's you. So God, give me a sign. He said, okay, here is a fleece. And a fleece it was like a piece of animal skin, skin. And he says, here is a fleece. Uh, I'm going to go to bed, but tomorrow when I wake up, if that fleece is wet and the d- ground is dry then I will know you have spoken. So sure enough, he goes to bed, he wakes up, the fleece is wet, the, the ground is dry. They say, well, okay, God, if it's really, 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 really you, then I'm going to go to bed, but to, to, tomorrow when I wake up, the fleece is going to have to be dry and the ground is going to have to be wet. And sure enough, he wakes up, the fleece is dry, the ground is wet. And so he said, okay, God, I know you have spoken, I know it is you. Well, that was good, but I see many Christians like they are acting and they are seeing this as a basis for them to ask direction from God. But why is it wrong? Number one, because Gideon lived in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it was only the kings, the prophets, and the kings, prophets, and... um, The, I'm going to get it, I went blank. The priest, the prophets, and the kings. Hallelujah. It was only those three categories God would put his spirit upon. And Gideon was neither of the three. He was not a king, he was not a priest, he was not a prophet. So for him to ask God to move in the physical realm to receive direction was okay. But for us, why is it wrong? Why? Number one, because Romans eight fourteen says, God, those who are led by signs. No, no, he said, those who are led by the Spirit. These are the sons of God. You see, Gideon... In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit will come up upon people, not in people. But today, in this covenant that we have with God, the Bible says that He put His Spirit in our heart. And He comes to dwell in us and to abide in us. And He promised, I will never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. Amen. And so we find out that what was right for Gideon to do becomes wrong for us to do. And why? Why would it be wrong for us? Because you see, the Bible says that the devil is called 2 Corinthians 4 4. He's called the God of this world, God with a small g. The devil is called, Second Corinthians 4, for the God of this world. You know what that means? That he's got a certain influence in this realm, yeah. in the physical realm. Right. The devil knows how to influence people to move and, and get them to do certain things. Right. Amen. And the Bible even says in First uh, John 5, 19, it says, The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's what it means, that this world is under the influence of the evil one. And he knows how to get people to do certain things for him. So if you go and you said, Okay, God, you told me to, 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 uh, uh, to move out of Jacksonville, to go to Miami to start a church. Just an example. Don't be running out of Jacksonville. <laughs> Say, God, you told me to leave uh, Jacksonville to go to Miami to start a church. Okay, if it's you, God, I'm going to ask you that tonight, when I leave new life, there is a woman with a red hat and a feather that walks in front of me. <laughs> Sounds funny, but, but that, you get the point. Why is it dangerous? Because the devil knows how to get somebody all of a sudden to walk in front of you with a red hat. You know, who knows why that night she might have led home thinking, Oh, I think I want to wear, I I wear a red hat tonight. Oh, look, a little feather, I'm going to put it on. And, and then, but here it is. There will be those also that said, okay, God, uh, Audrey, I might not ask for something like that, but I've got an, a, a grandmother or an uncle, Uncle Albert. He's a very godly man. And so I'm going to pray for, for a sign, ask a confirmation and say, God, if this is you, if you want me to do this, have Uncle Albert call tonight at eight o'clock. He's a godly man. I know if he called, that will be you. You know, that is a dangerous thing to do. You remember, you remember in, in the book of Matthew. Go there with me in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, from verse 13 through verse 17, we find that Jesus is with the disciples. And, and, and you know, Jesus asked and said, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Oh, some say that you are Jeremiah, a prophet, you know, Elijah, whatever. And they said, Jesus said, But who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke and he said, Lord, you are the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Can you imagine Peter Look at me. I've got revelation from heaven. Who's going to be the greatest? Two verses later, when Jesus starts talking and sharing about what he's about to do to go to the cross and be rejected and suffer under the hands of the Gentiles, Peter takes him aside and said, Hey, hey, Jesus, far be it from you. I will not let it happen. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Two verses later, Peter... Get behind me, Satan. You see, under one one breath, he's got a revelation of God. Under the second breath, he's under the influence of the evil one to try to make Jesus fall. So if you are depending on Uncle Albert or Grandma Sally (laughs) to... To, to help you to receive direction from God, you are putting yourself under dangerous hands. Because you see, the devil, the God of this world, can manipulate things, even people that you think are above par. Mm-hmm. But one thing the devil cannot imitate is the peace of God, yeah. the still small voice. Of your spirit. He cannot touch that. He cannot imitate. And that's why in this new covenant, we all have to uh, relate to God, approach God, listen to him from spirit to spirit and get away from the, the physical realm. Hallelujah. To stay on the safe zone, we need to stop trying to get direction and hear and perceive from our, our flesh. The Bible says that the flesh in Roman is contrary to the spirit. And they do one that doesn't do the what the other wants to do. As long if you stay in the, in the physical realm, in the senses realm, you open yourself for problem. But if you stay in the Spirit and say, God, I'm not going to ask you for an exterior sign. I'm going to depend on the Spirit and listen to my Spirit. And you know, hallelujah. That is a, a, the best way to receive direction. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for that one amen. And listen to this. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 39... How many of you know that Jesus doesn't tell fibs? Doesn't? Amen. Matthew 12, verse 39, Jesus declared, An evil and adulterous generation is one who asks for a sign. Yeah. What is an evil and adulterous generation? What is an adulterer? What is an adulterer? An adulterer is somebody who's married, who has a wife at home, right. but think that's just not enough. I've got to have something else on the side. So what when Jesus said, an adulterous generation is a generation who seeks for a sign, mean that it's a generation who has been given the Holy Spirit to abide in us forever. But we said, ah, that's not enough. I just want something more. God, give me a sign. It's good. And that's what Jesus said. He said, he said an, an adulterous generation is a generation who has been given the spirit of truth to abide in you, to guide you into all truth, to show you things to come, to protect you, to help you. But you are saying, that's just not enough. We want a spectacular sign. We want something more. Give us a writing on the wall. Give us a sign. Give us something more. But nobody like this in this room, right? We are sons of God who are learning to be led by the Spirit. We don't trust our five senses. We don't trust our flesh. We don't trust Aunt Sally and and Uncle Albert. We trust the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Another question that goes a lot in the body of Christ. Is it okay for us to ask, to look for a prophet to get a word of prophecy? Please excuse me if I'm going to step on a few toes. But there is that trend in the body of Christ that says, I need a word from God, so I need to look for somebody. I need to look for a prophet. I need to look for a, a, you know... Oh, I'm going to send $1,000 on TV to get a word from the preacher. (laughs) Why? Why is this just not right? Like I said before, because you see, under the old covenant, we do find that, that people went to the prophet to get a word from God. But here again, people were spiritually dead. They could not hear from God. The only three groups of people who were anointed, who had the Spirit upon, not in, but upon, were the priests, the kings, and the prophets. And so it was natural and normal for people under the old covenant to go and run to a prophet to receive a word. But under our new covenant, amen, the ministry of the prophet is totally different. They operate totally differently. <laughs> You see, under the old covenant, it is the prophet that was giving direction to the people. Under the new covenant, the prophet gives direction to the body of Christ in general. But does it mean, does it mean that it is wrong to receive a word from a prophet? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because yes, there might be time where God sees necessary to give you a word through a prophet or through somebody in the body of Christ. Not automatically called to be a prophet, but somebody might give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, amen, or a a, a prophecy which is really for encouragement, edification, and exhortation, amen. But what I'm saying here, even though God might give you a word through a prophet, I believe it is wrong for us to Seek it to go from one conference to another conference looking for direction through another person when really we have the Holy Spirit. And here is the key, something to keep us uh, stable because I have met many people who did receive a word from the prophet and went off the deep end. When you receive a word, they say, God. When you receive a word from a prophet or from somebody else who is speaking into your life, number one, it has to be in line with the word of God. It has to bear witness and be in line with the word of God and the character of God. And number two, it has to uh, uh, bear witness with your own spirit. With your own spirit. You know, somebody, for example, God has spoken to you privately and says, I have called you to be a youth pastor. And you're like, Praise God. God has called me to be a youth pastor. But all of a sudden, there is a big schmuck prophet, you know, on TV. Did I say schmuck? <laughs> <laughs> big Mr. Prophet, you know, that goes to you and says, Thus says the Lord, God has called you to be a pastor in Zimbabwe, Africa. And all of a sudden, like, something in you says, "Uh, it Doesn't sit right. You're like, No, but I was called to be youth pastor here in Jacksonville. You know, and so what do you do? Number one, if it, if your spirit doesn't bear witness, if there is no peace about it, but fear, you don't feel comfortable about it, you are not responsible to keep that word and receive that word discounted. Or number two, if in in your heart you're like, okay, I respect that person, but um, I don't know. I didn't. I'm not sure about it. You know what you can do? What I call to put it on the memory shelf. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? It means that, you know, you got a word, you're not too sure about it, so you just put it there, and if it's God, it shall happen. You don't have to try to make it happen. I remember, now why am I saying all of this? I remember when I was a brand new young Christian. I had gotten saved less than a year. And I remember went to Bible college. That happens a lot in Bible college. Uh, I was going to in Bible College and just love God, and that guy calls me one night and says, Audrey, God spoke to me that you're supposed to be my wife. Oh. <laughs> and when he spoke to me, it filled my heart with fear. Now, I like the guy. I thought he was, you know, I didn't have anything against him. But when he spoke, I... <sighs> My heart just was filled with fear. But you know what I told myself in my head? But wait a second. I've only been saved for less than a year. He's been a Christian for many, many years. Surely he hears from God. Surely I don't hear from God. You see, I was judging by thinking he's spoken to my life. He apparently knows what he's talking about because he's been a Christian for ten years. But you see, if your spirit, there is no peace. doesn't matter if you've been born again You know, five days or five decades, if you don't have peace, you do not have a responsibility to receive that word. And you know that that guy pursued me for 13 years until I got married with Fred and we were on our first year anniversary in San Augustine and that guy had moved to Jacksonville (laughs) chasing me. I mean, is that just crazy? (laughs) He wasted his life because he heard a word from God who didn't come from God, but he was persuaded that was from God. But you see, it filled me with fear. Mm -hmm. Now, and and another example, I had one time I was, like I said, I was a brand new, I mean, like what I'm, let me add this. You see, you might get a word from somebody that you trust. You might get a word from somebody who, who is a, a big ministry, somebody that you trust, somebody that you love. But if that word they speak to you does not bring peace to your heart or if it just doesn't, it fills you with fear, do not accept it. Because I have met people who have received a word like this and said, you know, yeah, you're supposed to be my wife or my husband or you're supposed to do this or that. And they said, well, they they're a big ministry, they should know better. They did not trust their own spirit and they ended up doing that and it was disaster. Disaster. People who ended up marrying the wrong person and amen. And so trust to your spirit and the peace of God. Even if it's big ministry on TV, you know, oh, somebody that you trust. If what they speak just does not sit with your spirit, doesn't bear witness, just do, do, do not accept it. And now, here is another example. Uh, um, I was a young Christian, and I was in a big church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, and the pastor was a wonderful man of God, and uh, I trusted him. But that day he came, you know, he was ministering. We, I, I was traveling with the ministry at the time and he came to minister to the team and he spoke a word to me and he says, God is calling you back to your own people. Well, you know, it kind of troubled me a little bit because I knew, number one, that when I came to the United States, God had spoken to me that this is, was home. And number two, that God had called me to be a missionary to the, you know, to the poor, to the third world nations and, and to the, spiritually malnourished so I was like going back to France because that's where I'm from when he said God is calling you back to your own people I was like doesn't make sense I don't understand it but you see I respected him I trusted him so you know what I did with that word I put it on the shelf and I say God you see I'm not going to try to make anything happen because in our flesh we want to say okay we got a word God doesn't mean that I've got a pack my bag and go back to France now. You see, I didn't do that. I said, God, if this is you, if you've spoken through that man of God, it will come to pass. I don't have to try to force it. So I put it on the memory shelf. And 10, 20 years later, 20 years later, almost to the day, I was I was in Switzerland teaching in a Bible school. And I'm there behind the pulpit teaching in French. And as I'm teaching, all of a sudden, I hear the Lord speak for, and says, this is what i spoken to you 20 years ago. I have called you back to the French-speaking people of the world. At that moment, you see that word, it confirmed what God had called me to do. But you see, I put it on the shelf because if it's God, it will come to pass. And it did. And it did. And that word actually really uh, 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 confirmed something that God is doing through my ministry right now. Amen. Hallelujah. And we see um, the Bible says... Uh, that's what the Deuteronomy 18, for your reference, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 21 and 22, it said that when a prophet speaks to you, you know, if it is from God, it will come to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. That's cut and dry, simple and clear. Amen. Uh, we see in the, in Paul's ministry, in Acts 21, we find out that Paul, the great apostle Paul, uh, um, a prophet, prophet Agabus, spoke a word to him. It's found in uh, uh, Acts 21, verse 10 through 14. The prophet Agabus took Paul's belt, tied his hands with it, and said, the men who, who, whose belt belong to shall be brought tied up, amen, and tied up in Jerusalem. But you know, that word that was spoken to a prophet by a prophet to Paul confirmed what Paul already knew in his spirit. Because Paul said when people were trying to stop him from going to Jerusalem, Paul says, what do you mean by trying to stop me by crying? He said, I'd be willing to die, to lose my life, to for, to, to die for the, the for the sake of the gospel. What do you mean trying to stop me? Because you see... Paul knew somehow that that, that, that what was going to happen to him. And that word that the prophet spoke to Paul confirmed what Paul already knew. And why did God spoke a word to Paul and confirm what Paul knew in his spirit? You know, because very often if God speaks to a word to you through a prophet or through somebody else, it's not always a good thing. Number one, it's maybe because you're hard of hearing. (laughs) Ouch. Or number two, because you are getting ready to go through a very tough time, a difficult time. And you need that word to keep you stable in the will of God. Amen. That's the reason why when Paul was on that boat, you remember, and there was a storm Paul was stable through the storm, was stable through the, the everything that happened, because he knew I'm supposed to go to the other side. I'm supposed to appear before Caesar, before kings in Rome. And he knew Paul that the, the what God spoke to him through a, a prophet kept him stable in the will of God, kept him stable in you to prepare him for for what was ahead. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 13, 15. Matthew 13, 15. The Bible says, let me turn to it. Because you see that, that's the mentality. You know, everybody said, I want a word. I want a word. You know, if you get a word from God every five minutes, it's not a good thing. You know why? The Bible says in Matthew 13, let me turn to it. In Matthew 13, verse 15, it says, For the heart of these people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their own eyes they have closed. It's possible to be hard of hearing, dull of hearing. And God has to use somebody else to get through to you. Amen? Amen. Hebrew 5.11, same thing. Hebrew 5.11 Hebrew 5.11 says, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Amen. You remember last week I was talking about when the inward witness act like an alarm. And you know, I had met that young woman who had got engaged to that guy and when I met him, on the inside, there was like an alarm. You know, and, and and I said, God, why did you talk to me to get through to her? And God says, because she's, Hard of hearing. She would not listen. I had to use somebody else. And so when you get a word, you know, all the time, that means it's hard for God to get through to your spirit. Mm-hmm. So he's got to use somebody else. Or maybe God is giving you a word because you're getting ready to go through a tough time. And the Bible says, if you go with me, and we'll close with that, in First Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Mm, I don't think that's it. I'll have to find that verse. I, I don't see it. I must have. Uh, there is a verse that maybe one of you knows it. There is a verse that says, When Paul told Timothy to wage the good warfare with the word of God that was spoken to him. You see, a, a, a word sometimes that is spoken to you by somebody or a prophet is the word to keep you stable, to help you to wage the good warfare. I have a friend of ours, you know, um, his son, uh, by two different people, God gave him a word about his son, that his son, he had two, two sons. He said that your youngest son is going to enter into the ministry before your older son. And you know when one night he got a phone call that that son was dead in the hospital and was dead for four four hours, turned blue, had a toe tag and everything on. And you know how he waged the good warfare while he knew and he he had to drive for an hour and a half to get to him, knowing his son is dead, black and blue, in the cooler, And how he waged the good warfare, how did he do that? By remembering that word that was spoken to him about his son, that he would enter the ministry before the oldest one. And that's the war. You know, he's in his car driving, and all of a sudden, you know, all those feelings, those emotions of despair, of grief, start to get a hold of him. You know how he waged the good warfare? He said, no, 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 God. No, that cannot be true because you have spoken a word to me about my son. And he waged a good warfare and he started to rejoice and rejoice and rejoice. When he got to the hospital, his son had raised from the dead. You know what I'm talking about? Waging the good warfare with a word of prophecy. And I remember one time and and, uh, I was, you know, it seemed to me I was always in meetings and people were giving words. Word to this, word to that. And I would never get any words. (laughs) Oh, Uh, uh, God, everybody's getting a word but me. Uh. You know what the Holy Spirit told me? He said, Audrey, I don't need to speak to you a word from somebody else because I can speak to you directly. (sighs) (sighs) I felt better. It was a compliment. So be comforted. Be encouraged if you're not getting a word from every five minutes from somebody. No trouble on the horizon, and you're not dull of hearing. God is speaking to you directly. And it's not hard to hear His voice. Amen. But you have to just go into your spirit, listen to your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Is that you, Aaron? Oh, my friend from, glory to God, from Lake City. That young lady had... For how many years, Aaron? Come, come, come quickly. Run. Is that okay? It's a good testimony. That young woman, for how many years? Ten years. She had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. And look at her. She, she was in bed half. Half of her life. Half of the ten years, basically. Half of the ten years she was in bed. But that night, I was preaching in Lake City. And that night, before I went to the meeting, I had prepared a message and and i 'm driving, and all of a sudden I tell Fred i said i don 't know why i don 't feel no peace i 'm not supposed to preach on that. I think God is wanting me to reroute and I ended up going and preaching on faith and healing and though she got she, and she 's exhausted tired, she can keep her eyes open. and 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 the night before or not that before she went to church, she was so fatigued, she couldn't even uh, uh, stay awake. Before she went, she just heard a small little voice that said to her, I want you to wear blue tonight. The only blue shirt that she had was in the dirty laundry. So she got it out of the laundry, put it. She said, I didn't care. That's what she said. I didn't care. I just was going there. So she <laughs> dragged, she went in the church, she sat. And while at the moment where she's getting ready, she's thinking, I can stand here. I'm tired. I'm going home. She was just getting ready to get up and to tell her mom to take her back home. I'm preaching. All of a sudden I said, did God tell you to wear blue tonight? <laughs> it, she just woke up. She went, oh, my gosh. God got her attention. And that night, not only did she get healed, she got the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And that very night, uh, she walked around her house for three, three hours, right? A long time. A long time on the phone. (laughs) And then the week after, you went to where? Not Williamsburg, Virginia and toured. And walked up and downstairs carrying her, (laughs) you know, nephew up. And look at her. She's doing really well. (laughs) And now she's preaching. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now it's it's nine months, and I haven't been sick a day in nine months. And plus she was allergic. She was allergic to a whole kind of food. Yeah, tons of food I was allergic to. Wheat, corn, soy chocolate on and on and on tomatoes caffeine and now I'm eating anything that I want (laughs) and she's preaching you still preaching girl hallelujah go and tell the world what God has done for you for more information on Gotel Ministry our teaching our itinerary and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God you may visit our website at www.gotellministry.org and remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in a button.